For those of you listening to us on the internet, for the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this 15th Sunday after Pentecost is the first reading for this morning, uh, Genesis chapter 50. I recall just these words. Joseph cried when he got their message. Then his brothers also came immediately, bowed down in front of him. We are your slaves, they said. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I can't take God's place. Even though you planned evil against me, God planned good to come out of it. This was to keep many people alive, as he is doing now. Don't be afraid. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who forgives all our sins, my beloved. I always tell the Tuesday morning Bible class that um, when you take a look at portions of Scripture, because, uh, you know, these are only little snippets that we read on Sunday morning, uh, sometimes in our devotions we read just little portions of Holy Scripture, that unless you understand and put those words into their context, you don't really get the full impact of the meaning. So here you have this reading today, even though you planned evil against me, God planned it for good. Don't be afraid. What's that all about? They're Joseph's words. Well, in order to really understand those words, you have to understand the whole story of Joseph. And so this morning, I'm going to break it up into five parts. Part number one, Joseph and his family at home. The story begins with a focus on a 17-year-old teenager named Joseph, son of Jacob. Joseph had 10 older brothers. His brothers hated him. In fact, there was a visceral hatred. You know why? Because he was daddy's boy. Daddy even bought him a wonderful coat of many colors, ornate. Didn't buy one for the other 10. The other, actually, there were 11 because there were 10 older brothers. There was one younger brother, too. And Joseph also served as his daddy's informant. When the other ten brothers were out there watching the livestock, every once in a while Jacob would send his son Joseph out to make sure that they were doing okay, so he was a tattletale. And then Joseph also had this weird dream, and he told it to his dad and his brothers. He said, you know, one day uh, you're going to all be bowing down before me. And that didn't make his brothers feel even any more friendly to him. End of part one. Part two. Joseph's brothers out with the livestock. A day came when uh, Jacob sent his uh, ten oldest, older sons out to watch the livestock, the flocks and the herds. And then uh, after they were out there, just to make sure that they were doing their job, he sent his son Joseph again as the informant to check up on them when the brothers saw Joseph coming out into the field. They said, ah, there's the dreamer. 
Let's kill him. They threw him into an empty well, a cistern. While one of the older brothers was gone for a while, who a lot of times they uh, received direction from, the other nine decided, no, we're not going to kill him. Let's pull him out of the pit, and we're going to sell him into slavery by one of those caravans that's passing by to take him down to Egypt. So they sold their brother into slavery for eight ounces of silver. Well, what were they going to tell Dad? Well, they decided to shred that uh, ornate gown, kill a goat, sprinkle the goat's blood on the gown, take that shredded, bloody-looking coat back to Dad and say, uh, Joseph must have died with uh, wild animals out there. The Bible says that Jacob would not be comforted. It says that he was said that he would mourn for Joseph for the rest of his life. End part two. Part three, Joseph alone in Egypt. Joseph got down to uh, Egypt in that uh, caravan. He was sold to a man by the name of Potiphar, who was one, one of the head guards in the uh, king of Egypt's army. Very wealthy. He recognized immediately that Joseph was so astute and intelligent that he turned his whole household, all of his assets, uh, into Joseph's hands for management. One problem. Every day when uh, Potiphar was gone, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. He was a handsome guy. Day after day after day. He always ran away. One day he ran away so fast she caught his shirt, she tore one of the sleeves off. When Potiphar came home, she, because she was so jealous and, and now hated Joseph for not uh, going to bed with her, they said, look it, Joseph tried to rape me. I really don't believe that Potiphar believed his wife because the uh, real uh, punishment for rape was death. He had Joseph thrown into prison. In prison, the head warden loved Joseph, and so he put him in charge of all the prisoners. Joseph had two special dreams down there in prison. Uh, two of the king's servants ended up in jail. And they both had dreams. And by the grace of God, Joseph interpreted the true dreams and told one of the servants that uh, he would be exonerated and go back into the king's court again, and the other guy would be executed, and that's exactly what happened. When that exonerated servant was leaving prison, Joseph said, Remember me. Remember me when you get back to the king. Tell him that uh, I told you this dream. The king of Egypt had a dream. In fact, he had a couple dreams. And the dreams, to make a long story short, said that there were going to be seven good things that would happen, and then there would be seven bad things that would happen. And the king was almost driven insane because he didn't know what the dreams meant. All of a sudden, the servant who had been down there in prison would have remembered Joseph. He said, I think there's a guy who can tell you what those dreams mean. They called for Joseph. Came into the king's court. And he told the king, I know exactly by the grace of God what those dreams mean. There are going to be seven years of plenty down here in Egypt where everything will grow. Throw the seeds in the ground, everything will pop up, followed by seven years of famine where nothing will grow. In fact, I have an idea, king. I think what you should do is save up 
all the surplus during those seven years of plenty, store them into barns so that you'll be ready for the famine in seven years. In fact, you'll have so much food, people will come here to Egypt to buy. King thought that was a great idea. He made Joseph second in command to the king's throne. Just think of that. Vice president of all of Egypt, one of the world powers. And part three. Part four. The revelation. Jacob and his family were starving up in Canaan. They didn't have any food. Jacob got an idea. He'd send his the ten older brothers down to Egypt to buy food so that they could keep body and soul together. Who was in charge of the food sales? Joseph, their brother. You know, last time they saw him, he was only 17. This was now, he was now 39. This is 22 years later. They didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. And what did he do? He grilled them. He grilled them up and down. Finally, he said, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to keep your brother Simeon down here to make sure that you guys come back. So he put Simeon in, in prison. The brothers went home. After they got hungry, ran out of food, they came back a second time. In chapter 43, uh, 45 of Genesis, this is what happened. Joseph could no longer control his emotions in front of everyone who was standing around him, so he cried out, Have everyone leave me. No one else was there when Joseph told his brothers who he was. He cried so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Twenty-two years had gone by. His brothers could not answer him because they were afraid of him. Please come closer to me, Joseph said to his brothers. When they did so, he said, I am Joseph, the brother you sold into slavery in Egypt. Now don't be sad or angry with yourselves that you sold me. God sent me ahead of you to save lives. The famine has been in the land for two years. There will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to make sure that you would have descendants on the earth and to save your lives in an amazing way. And then he told him, go back and bring your father and your whole family down here. End part four. Part five, the guarantee. Well, Father Jacob and the entire family journeyed on down south to Egypt. Joseph picked out some special land so that uh, his family could dwell there in safety and have food. And so Jacob lived a happy life to the end of his days. When the ten brothers heard that Jacob had died, that's our text for this morning. Then his brothers also came and immediately bowed down in front of him. We are your slaves, they said. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I can't take God's place. Even though you planned evil against me, God planned good to come out of it. This was to keep many people alive, as he is doing now. Don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. In this way, he reassured them, setting their minds at ease. End part five. 
So that's the story of Joseph. Betrayed and deserted by family, exposed to sexual temptation, falsely accused of rape, punished for doing the right thing, enduring long time in imprisonment, forgotten by those who he had helped. So what is this story about Joseph all about? Well, it's not just about how God brings about good from evil, although it is that too. The story of Joseph is about reconciliation. How one person who was hurt and wronged by his own brothers took the initiative to forgive them. Hostility removed. Broken relationship restored. Recognition that the matter that had divided them was no longer important. More important was the relationship with each other. Have you ever hurt someone verbally or physically? More important, have you ever been hurt or wronged? verbally or physically by somebody else. And even though you were the one who was hurt, have you forgiven the one who hurt you? I can't do that, Pastor. It's just too hard. Then some men came forward, took hold of Jesus, and arrested him. Then they spit in his face, hit him with their fists, and some of them slapped him. They tied him up, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. They twisted some thorns into a crown, placed it on his head, and put a stick in his right hand. After they had spit on him, they took the stick and kept hitting him on the head with it. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. You see, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. He was hurt and wronged from the very beginning by Adam and Eve and by you and me right up to this very day. How great is his forgiveness to us? How small is our forgiveness to others? Why? St. Paul tells us, Although I have the desire to do what is right, I don't do it. I don't do the good I want to do. What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me? I thank God that our Lord Jesus Christ rescues me. Thank God that he forgives even my inability to forgive others. 
What can I say? I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. What more is there to say? Love and forgive, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith this morning in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. 